0: time for three we had a luxury because um we we found this thing that we loved we, we knew that other people loved it as well you know in my mind we're trying to inspire people through what we love and if if we also get that back in return while we're giving that out we're all we're all empowering each other we're all lifting each other up to have success
1: it's a blessing for us for time for three we used to think it was a curse to when people are trying to define what Time for Three is, I mean, there's so many variants to Time for Three, but there's one core thing, is that we're dedicated musicians that want to be curious, and we want to just soak up all the information, you know, all, all different kinds of music. If you want the
2: longevity of a career, one has to be careful that it isn't just instantaneous. Like, right. these things take a lot of time to nurture and cultivate. And the balance of how to craft that was extremely challenging and difficult. And you know, that's where we see the ones that make it, the ones that have a longevity of a career are ones that accepted that challenge, that understood that hiking up a tall mountain is really challenging, but if you're prepared, you got the right things and you're nourished, when you crest that top, the ride down is unbelievable.
3: Welcome, you everybody, to the Baking, baking Notes podcast.
0: Podcast,
3: podcast, What's good? Hey, we're like the absentee uncles that pop in with treats. We come in once a month, once every yeah. two months, get fire treats like this today's episode with time for three, and then we disappear into the void again. That's what it's going to be. You but like baseball? You like? <laughs> I'll throw the old pigskin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta go back to uh Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to build some, w- some wells. <clears throat> so he- here's what's good. Here's what's good. Today we have a conversation with Time for Three, and if you don't know about them, they're honestly one of the most innovative groups uh, in the classical or from the classical music culture that we've ever seen. Um, it's a group that you have to fully experience to understand. They resonate not just with like, people that love classical music, but people who have never listened to classical music, i.e. the best market possible. Okay? These are classically <laughs> trained Juilliard and Curtis cats, like the top of the top, the cream of the crop. Uh, it's, a, it's a trio with two violins and a bass. And uh, in a nutshell... They find joy in finding new ways to express music with old instruments. Classical, pop, folk, you name it, they performed it. This is time for three.
4: Mm. And they do it at the highest level, and they're having an awesome time while doing it. So actually, they just released a new album called Letters for the Future. Uh, It's with the Philadelphia Orchestra. It's concertos written for them. We got Kevin Putz and Jennifer Higdon. This Mm. is super awesome like americana going on here like it's massive it's a great album and you, you got to check it out check it on spotify find it at all those places go buy it go support them uh but one of the best parts about this and you're gonna hear this clearly in the episode is the joy they love hanging out together they love making music together love being on stage love being in this interview <laughs>
3: Man, they made me want to start a band or something. Yeah, you got like like, to start, start a
4: group, got to start a group, man. Start a group. <laughs> and so they, they've been doing this for years. That's what's nice. They really paved the way, as Drew was saying, uh, on acting like a band. Also, what comes with that? Marketing, business, entrepreneurship. They, they charge headfirst in it to not be afraid of it. And look at it. The results are in. They're here, they're around, they're everywhere. There's a lot of concrete tips, some great advice, and always changing, always growing. They're learning how to sing, they've been singing now, uh, and just continuously changing the game.
3: What I love is like they're finding their sound, Mm -hmm. which is something, it's like watching a flower bloom or like a, a tiny shrub turn into like a tree that bears fruit. It's some it's beautiful. You see the the, the maturity and, and the uh, the expansion, the innovation happening in real time, and it's a wonder to watch. So, uh, if you want to uh, hear more conversations like this with artists leading the way in entrepreneurship in the twenty first century, subscribe to our podcast. You know, uh, follow us on Spotify, download us on Apple Music, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review.
4: We got these episodes on youtube and also if you want to reach out to us hang out with us speak with us uh, in between the episodes just hop on our discord but it was an absolute joy to speak with time for three it's a great interview let's get to it our next guest time for time for three Go so ahead this and is, jump
2: in. Wait, so this this is the Family Feud episode we're doing right now, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. This is how we break up, guys. Yeah. This <laughs> okay. is this is the episode where we on air we break up. Okay. Oh, is this exclusive. an exclusive? This is yeah, an exclusive, right? This, this is an this exclusive, is <laughs> exclusive first watch of how a band breaks <laughs> up. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, you want to, You want us to be honest? Okay. Yeah. Yes, got it. I, that's
1: what I'm saying.
3: I, yeah. So, what, what was it? So, when it comes to uh, letters for the future, what was it like? You know, saying goodbye to each other, having a farewell album. You know,
2: <laughs> you know, we, it was, I keep a picture of them next to my bed. Um, that and, was the first
0: problem, actually.
2: And I, <laughs> I realized that that kind of like it's this deep connection yeah. with them. And then it was hard to say goodbye.
0: Nick's a little too clingy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm hey, working bro. on that.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, was it more of like a, a
4: tweet? Because not many people read read letters anymore, well, or read, you know. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, emails to the future. Yeah, of, it just wasn't know, hitting. The future. <laughs> it wasn't hitting at all. It didn't work. I mean, Snapchat for the future. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one of
2: the honestly moronic
3: cuz it gets deleted. That's deleted. It's yeah. That's right. So. It's perfect. It's
2: emails to the future. Yeah. the
0: the, the, Ill, the illiteracy of the band is actually the first problem. Yeah,
2: that's yeah. exactly yeah. the
4: <laughs> yeah, being real. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks so much for coming on the fake, you know, podcast. It's been a long time coming. Uh cool. we've been following you guys for a long time. We're definitely going to dig into of course letters for the future. What it's like being in the band and all sorts uh of deeper and darker questions. Uh, But first, the the thing that always stuck into my mind is time for three is I'll set the stage. It's like a decade ago. I Made my undergrad at UNC Greensboro down in North Carolina. And there, you know, some, a classical group is coming in, but it's on the main stage. It's for the whole university. It's not like for the music school and, you know, in our recital hall, it's the big time. You know, you're up there with other like big presenters Rock bands, you name it. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta see what this is like. Wow. Uh, and so I go, and I was just absolutely floored. It was all the audience was filled with all these students, non-music students. It was right. it was a packed house. And yeah. you start playing like stronger, like Kanye. And I was just like, Holy shit. It was wow. it was just crazy to see it an audience. And that was like my first exposure to really seeing, you know, classical musicians being cool. And having fun. Like having fun on stage and the audience exactly. is having a great time. It was a great show. And so like that's been seared into my mind ever wow. since. So I thank you wow. for that.
2: Man, that's incredible. Thank
1: I'm, you. Man. I wasn't a part of that. Yet. No,
2: he <laughs> but, wasn't he yeah. wasn't there yet. No, I know. <laughs> right. It's okay. Charles wasn't there. I
1: was with Drew. <laughs> so we were hanging
0: so, out. We were <laughs> in, leave in the room. We were in, in the nuts. room. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a, that's gl- that's a glowing, yeah. you know, a, a really really, you know, wonderful compliment and you know we appreciate that so much. You know what you said, you said it was cool and we were having fun, I think. That's kind of, shouldn't that be an essential tool like for life hmm. in every aspect of every career, of every discipline? Why is that sometimes some some sort of a mysterious ominous thing for, for people, you know, like I'm raising two little, two little kids right now and it's like, that's, I don't care what they do, but those two things are definitely in the mix of maybe about 20 other things, you know, that, that are necessary. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, clearly I'm an expert in cool. So, you know.
1: Yeah. I,
2: I I read that email. (laughs) I read that email. I usually don't read, but I knew he was cool. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I, I remember, you know, I, I don't know if I remember that date, but I do remember that. And I think this does happen for us when we're playing for people who are not like classical listeners, you know, we're playing for people who are listening to stuff on the radio and we do this thing called so far sounds. um, Oh yeah. We have a chance. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's probably an example of one of my favorite audiences because all they care about is feeling something and they're so open to stuff. But we also know that we're we're lined up with some of the most sincere, deep craftsmen at their like singer-songwriters or traditional, culturally traditional groups that are or whatever. And we're when we show up and we're carrying these instruments, you can sort of tell that the audience is like, all right, are we gonna listen to Baccarini or you know, but I think it's those situations or like for a performance for a whole college campus is that actually that's when it's not nerves, but we get the most excited because it's not about how beautiful we play a phrase or it's not about like if it's it's all about saying something with our music, especially for that kind of crowd. And I do think, at least for myself in this band, that has been a consistent can kind I of talk about Ali Upin and Slam Dunk, we've been able to do that. And that's one of the driving mechanisms that I feel so proud to be part of this and also be part of this movement. We talk a lot about how we represent a whole lot of creativity. And we're talking now coming from like the classical music craft, but we represent a lot of innovation that's happening. Um, and we are just talking about it earlier on the radio here in Moab,
3: Utah, where we are about how we're just the tip of the iceberg representing a little bit of that. I love that in the spirit of innovation, you know, it's kind of hard to find innovation in an art form. That's been around for hundreds of years, you know, and like that has such a a stiff tradition and a, a path of pedagogy and a right way to do things, doing something different. I'm sure like, you probably get this question a lot. It's like, what's it like to do something different outside the classroom? I get that asked that all the time too. So I'm not going to ask you that. But what what I want to ask because I, I want to kind of go back to letters of the future because like letters for the future because not only just working with composers right commissioning works but creating an album is a gargantuan feat, <laughs> and only those who've done it before actually know it. I'm trying to do it right now. I so my question for you, <laughs> my question for you guys, like during the process of crafting, because I love that word craftsmanship. And that, I think that is like one of the key words that describes the work that you guys do craftsmanship. What's that first step in crafting like an idea or a theme for a project like uh, letters for the future?
1: Well, that letters for the future. I mean, first of all, we're so Lucky, like these two were talking about, going and, you know, playing for a huge auditorium of of musicians and non-musicians, classical musicians. And for Letters letters for the Future, these are two amazing composers that we got to work with, right? Um, Jennifer Higdon wrote Time for Three Concerto. Before my time was the first concerto written for Time for Three. That was kind of the statement of Time for Three saying, hey, look, we're musicians. We like playing a bunch of things. These are our roots. Um, And that is still being played today. And You know, fortunately, I got to record it with them. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) After all these years, you know.
3: Put your stamp on it.
1: Yes. Big time. We had that. We had that, you know, we had that concerto. And then when looking for another composer to write um, a concerto for the group, which is now we had to think real hard. There are so many options out there. There's so many great composers. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Puts, you know, his vocabulary, his um, his musicianship was just so in line with ours. He came to so many of our shows, soaked in what we are as a group now, and then put it down on paper, um, interpreted his version of what Time for Three is. And that became his concerto, Contact. And we're thrilled about it. You know, that craftsmanship is different from when we're, Writing together, this is the other side where we're portraying us and someone else is interpreting what we are. So it, it was a really unique experience to be working with a master like Kevin Putz. It was. It was also a lot of for the
2: album. It was a lot of luck too. Yeah. Um, we have to say that if it weren't for the pandemic, this probably wouldn't have come together like this because. Since Charles joined the band, we've been doing a lot of exploring, um, but there's kind of a couple things. So first of all, Jennifer's piece that she first wrote about, like Charles was saying, was sort of a response to what Time For Three was sort of doing coming out of Curtis, mm-hmm. which was, you know, we were really influenced by the album, Oh Brother We're Out There, which is like, you know, before oh, 9-11, geez. yeah, that album before 9-11, that album, that movie came out, the Coen Brothers movie came out, and Americana, that that soundtrack really represented, for the first time, in a lot of people's mind, the folk tradition here in America. And then 9-11 happened, and there was also Appalachian Walls, by the way, Mark O'Connor, Edgar Meyer, and Yo-Yo Ma, which in the classical world and audiences is just like, here's some, you know, crossover classical cast just totally doing Americana. And us in school, we were really influenced by that because we were constantly trying to connect with our friends in the city who don't go to places like Curtis or don't understand it. And we wanted to show how amazing Beethoven is. Um, So then 9-11 happened and then there was a real focus on Americana. And so we were sort of dabbling. We were guests of Americana. We were not aficionados of bluegrass at all. But Jennifer Higdon wrote something based on this culture, something on earth, something about community that's very specific. And then when Kevin wrote just naturally, he wanted to write about something that has to do with the other, something that talks about hope about, you know, space travel is about looking at the new and the possibilities and advancing human achievement. And then when the pandemic happened, first of all, all of our performances and premieres of contact by Kevin Putz were postponed. But then our, we were thinking, wow, we have all these dates with orchestras who have services, but no audiences can come to the hall. I wonder if they'd be willing to like record something. And then our amazing team said, y'all are so close to Philadelphia Orchestra. We're like, well, yeah, but would they be into that? I mean, they, they're right there. You <laughs> know, and they said they pushed us and they said they literally we got a response within five minutes. Yo, word five never minutes,
3: happens. Never Damn.
2: happens. And they... Yeah we gave them the idea of like pairing these two concertos and they went for it. And then other partners came on board. And so drew, when you're asking about putting an album together, it's amazing that we had all the ingredients kind of at our feet. And it was literally about just kind of putting them together into something. And it really kind of just
1: made sense. It was a lot of luck and a lot of hard work. And the people behind it, you know, I mean, drew, uh, Someone that supported this album was our mutual friend, Michael Marks. And Drew oh, right. won the Entrepreneurship Award. Uh, oh, idea. wow. Really? Alex yeah.
3: Marks, yeah. He's the man.
1: And yep. he still talks about you, man. What? Wow. Yes,
3: <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Bro, he, he's, he put me on, man.
1: He's the man. So he's a big supporter of this album and, and a whole bunch of people behind the scenes, you know. So it, it does take a small village. Yeah, big time.
3: And I can I interject really quickly. I just wanted to highlight just how natural that was. You know what I mean? The the you, you guys saw a situation, you adapted, and through the adaptation, you came out with an album. For me, I just try to force things. It's like okay, we need an <laughs> album. You know, Christmas is coming up. It's July. Let's start recording yeah. some stuff. You know, <laughs> that's good though. That, that is good. really good. It's part of it, but yeah, yeah. I love how you guys also let the art flow mm, for with sure. with with collaborations with the composers that felt right. You didn't just yeah. like reach out; it was like this thing that needed to happen for both parties. And I think yeah. that's what makes this so unique. So I really, thank you for sharing that story with us.
0: Well, it's you know, it's 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 always easy at the end. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, but it, it's it's such a it's such a journey to get there.
2: <laughs> that's the no. truth.
0: You know, it's like like now when we go to play, you know, this concerto, both concertos. You know, I just I feel so natural. You know, I feel so yeah. organic. You know, things totally in my wheelhouse. Get up on stage, it's like oh god, just nothing but fulfillment and enjoyment, spreading inspiration. But it doesn't start like that. No, you know, it starts with. It starts with fear and anxiety and, um, and and a lot of road to pave. Um, but like you know, at the end, when you have that that joy and if you can kind of like remember it and remember it from start to finish, then you know you're in a good place to hopefully for the projects to come. Um, but that but that force that you're talking about, I mean, We'd all be lying to ourselves, right? If it wasn't, if it wasn't, yeah. That's 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 such a, a huge part of the process.
4: Yeah. yeah, fear and anxiety. Let me just look those up real quick. I just want. To- <laughs> <laughs> Trevor doesn't, you know, he doesn't feel those <laughs> emotions. Yeah, yeah I've never, never heard of it. But <laughs> so <laughs> the the thing I love about uh, these pieces uh, is that. You were mentioning you like this like Americana influence, which which I love. Just like going in, being from North Carolina, I mm. I didn't I wasn't interested in it at all. You know, I kind of grew up imagining I'd leave, and then the moment I moved to New York, we're in Juilliard, I was like, oh, I kind of miss miss mm. this. You know, go out, buy a mandolin, just dabble. It's there's just something of, about it that feels really natural. So you got this interest, and then you're working with these composers who are kind of both like. The banner carriers of the like American symphonic tradition. And then you're working with Philadelphia Orchestra as like one of the iconic American, like this, this might be like one of the most American albums we got out there. Like, right.
1: It's it's, seeped in there. It's the most American album. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's our our tour manager right there.
4: We got got the clip. (laughs) We got the clip. Uh, But so about the process, because it's very clearly you. And it's very clear, like with with Kevin's That's piece awesome. and Jennifer's piece, like it's I I hear them, and very clearly Philadelphia. It just feels like it's that perfect balance. It's it's the like the perfect diagram. How how is it going about like from your perspective? Because I'm a composer, so I'm used to being in the other side of the seat. What is it like interacting with a composer? You know, who's writing a piece for you yeah. as a group? Like, we, what is that, that diagram?
2: And that's part of what Renan was talking about. It's like it has to be the right fit. And we talked a lot at the beginning. We want to have a human, another human, another fellow living soul who has the spirit of collaboration. And Jennifer Higdon at the very early age, I mean, that was when GarageBand was like the hot thing. There was no such thing as Logic. Or you know any any Ableton, none of that stuff. Yeah, this was GarageBand was the hot stuff on Apple computer, and she brought that to, to like our first <laughs> session, and we we're like, wow, Apple wow, wow oh, cool. Man. Just you know, Macintosh computer and the oh <laughs> man, and she and then we we're we we're like, but you're the master composer. She's like, no, 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 no. I want to hear what y'all got, what you guys do, and then the first draft of music that we got looked freaking impossible. because there was like, it was, it was nuts. And she says, well, actually I just transcribed your jams. And that blew our fucking mind. It was like, it was like insane for us to see that. And with Kevin is the same process. And we talked a lot about what we wanted. He
1: asked us, what do you guys want? Well, he, uh, I mean, Trevor, you're a composer. So I feel like when crafting a piece like that for somebody you really got to know them right or i mean kevin also did say that he's never crafted a piece like this for anybody so it's such a personalized piece usually he'll write something and then have the solos play it or or uh, but this was such a a hands-on experience where he came to a bunch of shows he would call us facetime us and be like hey how fast can you pits And for us, it's like, we have too much pride to say very, to, yeah, we always be like, oh, oh, this fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, then Go faster. and then I'll write something and be like, is this playable? And of course, we'd say, yes. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, some of it came to bite us uh, when we had to learn it. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, so, it's such, a, it's such a, an incredible experience to, like you said, it's so us. Like it's so time for three are sound, but it's also so Kevin Putz and Jennifer Higdon, and that's that's the goal, is that we're not just playing someone's piece; it's them interpreting what we are, and we're we're it's a full collaboration.
3: Can I hop in here? I had I had a, a thought swirling in my head and, and a question that comes from this. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks and and read books. Uh, a lot because I just understand that I don't know anything and I'm just trying to learn. And one thing that I learned or was reinforced to me is the power of like, you know, brand building, like being a monopoly in your own right by being so unique, so different. So the the value that you provide to the marketplace is non-comparable to anybody else. And I think that you guys are truly a monopoly of one. Like there is no group like you guys out there at all. Not with like the, the philosophy through collaboration. Not with you know the way that you present yourselves, uh, playing different styles of music while also having the the key root of classical training. Like I think that many groups attempt to do this, but I think you guys do it in a way that not only resonates with you know people who want to facilitate and partner with you, but also with audiences that want to come see you so I wanted to give you guys your flowers. Oh. Now, I wanted We're to give you, you guys We're gonna break this monopoly. We're time to yeah. break this up. No, no, no. <laughs> well, see, that's the beautiful thing is like, you could create that's a group awesome, like Thank you guys, you. but <laughs> offer something very different to the marketplace, and you guys could both eat. And the tide lifts both your boats. My question wow. for you all, because we have a lot of listeners who are, you know, uh, they're graduating school, they're about to start, college they're trying to think like our our job is to lay out the the playbook of the 21st century entrepreneurial musician. and one of the things i've learned personally is building a brand is Mm -hmm. important it is key it is the only game in town and so what are some mental models or frameworks like do you guys have like a, a a filter like that you guys ask yourself about a project that you go through that like helps you distill your brand like what do you do to continually build like this this demand for time for three
0: in the market. Yeah, let's let's just like look, can, can we, we just one? wave, let's wave a magic wand, right? For everyone <laughs> listening right now. Yeah. And let's just say stigma of business and music is vanished. It's gone. And now we're going to embrace that as musicians. We're going to put on our business hats. We're gonna we're gonna be as creative with what it takes to get our music out there as we are with the artistry of being a musician okay so what if that's a parallel what if that's a parallel course those lines never intersect but they're always going in the same direction as fast as possible or maybe as efficiently as possible right so what does that mean? OK, well, that, that means that, you know, this whole like playing it cool as an artist and never talking about the business has to be like ripped up and thrown in the trash. Oh, yeah. You know, like we just have to get over ourselves. Yeah. You know, we, we are we, we are we are entrepreneurs. We're very creative, business minded people. And we have an advantage because we are extremely creative with our instruments yes you know so so that's that's a beautiful thing so maybe as like a like a like an overarching theme um or like philosophy um if that's some sort of a vision or image that helps you know helps people that are listening right now i say go with that because you know i know that when i was i was raised as a musician personally every time the business was brought up or i should say most of the times that the business was brought up it was a very uncomfortable subject. Mm-hmm. I remember the very first time I had to negotiate for myself and I went to my base teacher at the time and I said, I have this wedding engagement with a friend of mine. I'm 15 years old. Uh, I'm not going to charge as much as you, sir, because you're a professional. Uh, but what would you recommend a lowly person like myself goes ahead and charges? And he was amazing. At the, this, this first answer was a great answer. He said, Renan, if you go to mow somebody's lawn are you going to be cheaper than the other guy? Or are you going to find out what the rate is to mow the lawn? I was like, okay, well, I guess, I guess that's a good point. He's like, so look, this is what I would charge. Go ask for that. And I got it. Every answer following that wasn't nearly as uh, a, a direct. And I think that the honesty has to come from, from, from the people that are answering the questions. You know, like I think, I think, you know, we also need to kind of get over ourselves because right now this is hard for me to talk about. It's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah, because I think it's because of the way that I was raised as a musician and with the business. So it's a constant like sort of juxtaposition. But I I force myself to get over this because I believe that that it's it's a much better end result to think with that type of openness. Um, but, you know, also you have to have a product to market, right? Yes. You can't just like market something that doesn't exist. And, and you know, take. we could all take that however we want to take that. But you know, there has to be some something that you're trying to put out there, you know. So that takes some time to find. Uh, and you know, chicken and the egg, not only one, you know, necessarily comes before before the other, but it, it's I think there needs to be some sort of a balance within all that. I think what happened at Time for Three is we stumbled upon joy with each other as musicians. And then when we found that joy and we knew that it existed, we wanted to bottle it up.
1: There you go. Love that. You got to love what you do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You got to love what you do. I mean, talk about how y'all, I mean, this is before our time, but when, when they started the band, like how y'all marketed yourself, it was a totally different time. By VHS tape. <laughs> that's how freaking old Yo, we are. that's uh, in boat. I hear we, this
2: coming yeah. back, bro. We made, we, yeah. we made a VHS uh, uh, demo video
1: (laughs) what are those guys what are those do you know what those are yeah yeah
4: Yeah. so so for our listeners uh a vhs is it's kind of like netflix but only one show Uh, and you have to physically rewind so that's that's exactly exactly.
3: and And you you don't record don't record over your soccer game yeah
2: yes exactly
0: if you look it up, you could find it right next to anxiety and. Yeah. fear. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. H. H. is, is them. a disease.
1: Yeah, it's yeah,
2: a, it's a syndrome. I'm going to just tag on to what these guys said, please because, do, it, because what Charles was indicating was and what Renan said. I just remember when I was studying at Curtis, I was I was very much on the solo violin solo track. Like I was going to be a concerto soloist. I was already auditioning for major conductors. I was playing solo dates, and. And I was playing in this Curtis Orchestra, which I loved. I mean, I loved all the repertoire, but I but it was Philadelphia. The Roots were still in town hosting open mic sessions at a University of Penn on Get Saturday out night. Of here. And I would go play buckets and I'd jam with like that whole <laughs> thing. So I was like, Quest. it was like incredible, <laughs> incredible, like incredible musical moments I was having. The thing that was so incredible to me was with Time for Three. While I was so focused and involved in those other things, Time for Three, it was amazing that we had this one gig for literally thousands, it it was like, I don't know, 1,500 people or something, not thousands of people, but like 1,500 audience members in DC. It was a corporate event, and we maybe rehearsed for 15 minutes on stuff. I remember, though, in the heat of the moment, how easy it was to groove musically together, like literally a groove, but also spinning our sound in a collective way that was really intense how huge the audience reaction was and how fulfilled like exhausted not exhausted like physically exhausted but like i just laid something out on stage and that combination the ease in which all that came about as a delivery system for me emotionally was something that i, I identified and for me that was the brand recognition and. I think our filter is like, we each are involved in different projects. I just got off a tour playing standard core classical repertoire, which I love not for time for three, but it's for that. With time for three, this is something like, we spend a lot of time thinking about certain ingredients that are necessary for us to do our thing. And that has, when we talk about brand recognition, it's coming from that vibe, that criteria, and then you sort of stick on the marketing and then you sort of stick on the partners and all this. And I think for us, that's really something, so like Kevin's music, like Jennifer, we've each had this incredible experiences with other composers that we're now bringing to the table for Time for Three for Future collaborations.
3: One thing that I've kind of understood that's kind of helped me dispel some of the, you know, classical music mentality about like trying to build a business is like, what is your mission? Because a business facilitates missions. Like if your mission is to deliver joy, which is seems to be time for three's mission, to spread joy. If you build your business well, you can spread more joy. If you build your business like shit, you're gonna give joy to no one.
1: Yeah. You're gonna spread more
4: shit.
3: That's You're gonna
4: right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Spreading shit, Char- yeah. Charles, you were talking about like, being a classical musician and finding your way through entrepreneurship. Can you speak a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, why I brought, uh, I wanted the guys to bring up the VHS, you know, they were a generation before ours. Back then, <laughs> you know, uh, not to put you Thanks, under the bus. So yeah. How, Sorry, guys. How dare you? Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's important. It's important because it is already back then, you know, they're at Curtis where you go there and you practice and you, you wanna be standard rep kind of kind of person. But they created a band and were making press packages with VHS with printed out bios and stuff. And pictures, glossy pictures, pictures, bro. To send to people. Right? I mean that that was already pretty pretty out there back then, yeah. you know, and then come our time at Juilliard where, uh, where there's a class where a teacher is telling us to make websites and people are kind of resisting, you know, it already is a website. So out there, I mean, is it so crazy to think that you need a website for your business? You know, but you have to put yourself out there. Like you're saying, Drew, if you want your product to be heard or uh, just shared, share your product, you have to put it out there. You have to find any resource, any way, if you're proud of it, to get it out there. And the first step is promotion. And why we think, I think, about promotion as being yucky and, and gross is because um, there's so much judgment in our industry. You know, there's so much judgment of how other people might think of you, which sometimes you just have to say, fuck it. Yes. I don't care. I, I care about my product and I'm just going to get it out there. Why care about what other people think? And when you do that, you slowly see people liking it (laughs) and it kind of just fuels, I I feel like it fuels what you want um, as a musician. May it be VHS's back then. Now it's just a press package that you can literally send to someone through an email, right? Emails for the future. Yeah, you that's know. a good
2: yeah. album name. Yeah, yeah. look. It says volume two. Write that down. Volume two. <laughs> volume two. Yeah. Catch us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah.
3: Hey, it's got the edit button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right.
2: So. I have to say, the marketing thing, I think it's uh, we talk about this, but it's a balance, right? Because I've learned that I'm in this for the long haul, right? This band – is something that I hope I can, you know, when I retire, whenever that is, it's going to be with time for three still in my life. So marketing or a business package behind what you do is, is important. But it also, if you want the longevity of a career, you have to, one has to be careful that it isn't just instantaneous. Like these things take a lot of time to nurture and cultivate and it's, we didn't find our business thing until later. I mean, we we did understand that we needed to be in business, that we, we did understand that we are operating like a brand, like a product. And that was not at the expense of my love of wanting to connect in an authentic way. It was it, those, those were not mutually exclusive. But the balance of how to craft that, was extremely challenging and difficult. And you know that's where we see the ones that make it, the ones that have a longevity of a career are ones that accepted that challenge, that understood that hiking up a tall mountain is really challenging, but if you're prepared, you got the right things and you're nourished, when you crest that top, the ride down is unbelievable. But you also (laughs) know that there's another one coming. And it's just, this is life and there's no one there's no one right answer or formula the compass is literally hard work and perseverance asking a ton of questions and figuring out your own your own way but it's an essential ingredient in this in this world of you know the classical art form it being a dirty word it's not a dirty word the best in there who are making a successful career they have a business
0: structure behind what they do yeah. Can I can I hone in on just like a few tools like? Oh please I, yes. Been, first of all, I just want to use the word discoverables, you know, because like I feel like you know there's like this on on the job training, which is just it's it's humongous, you know. So, but there's but it's again that's that's tricky because we don't all have that luxury. I think with Time for Three, we had a luxury because um, we we found this thing that we loved. We we knew that other people loved it as well. Uh-huh. So then we wanted to follow the breadcrumbs right to getting that to you know the stage the stage it was our goal. It is our goal to this day, you know, and the the stage is a metaphor. There's a lot of, there's a lot of elements that go into making the stage a reality. And as soon as um, you embrace that as an artist, as you realize that there are so many moving parts to that, and you really dive in head first and explore that, you can discover uh, what it really takes to get to that stage, right? So, So some of that's the school of hard knocks. Um, while you're diving in, then you can you can start reaching out to people that are, are you know, transparent about that. Um, I like to look at those people as thought leaders. Surround yourself with thought leaders that you trust, uh, people that you feel are not going <laughs> to rip your ideas, but they're there to help. You know, they're there to like encourage you, build you up, lift you up, empower you. And that leads me to like just like a final point, which is empowerment. This whole thing that we're doing, you know, in my mind. Uh, we're we're trying to inspire people through what we love. And if if we also get that back in return while we're giving that out, we're all we're all empowering each other, we're all lifting each other up to have success. And you know, it's not like you know, necessarily you'll be able to reach out to uh, Stevie Wonder uh, tomorrow for some advice, you know. Maybe next uh, week yeah, you can. Maybe, maybe next week, maybe, next, maybe week, next week. You know, but like there are these people that you can reach now. Um, and they may be a little ahead of you, you know, ideally, um, some of them may be not quite where you are, but if you surround yourself sort of as that nucleus and that, that mechanism, you're, you're going to find that you're creating a community that is starting to empower everybody's empowering one another. You know, this is a deep lofty subject matter that we could, I mean, literally you could have a podcast. That, just, this is what <laughs> they do, yeah, you know, like right.
3: Should we start
2: a podcast? podcast. I was gonna suggest.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Should we be
2: recording this? Oh shit.
1: Hold on. There's an idea. There's an idea. (laughs) I thought we were just having fun, man.
2: I think can I just when we say when we say we're here to spread joy, yeah. It's very true. But it's also to say that it's to share the hard work and the intense amount of focus and dedication it had it takes for the three of us to, ha- to then share that. And the joy of sharing that is I think really, for we're unpacking it, it's not like we're here in Moab just kind of like, you know, taking naps. I mean, we're working hard and to make the album happen, you know, Letters for the Future, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work and a lot of discipline and a lot of focus. But when we are there, we have we have so much heart that we do want to share. And it it's that release that I think people feel from us that um,
1: yeah.
2: that is really that, you know. I just wanted to say it, it's not just joy. There's a lot under that. And the thing I love about that too is that, you know, like if
4: the joy and like sharing the joy, it's the North Star. The the best part is that you can't like achieve it. There's no finish line. It's no. not like it's not really no. like uh like I mean that's one of the issues with the goals, is like you hit it and then it's like, oh, what's next? And it's kind of a bummer. The great thing right. about this is that you can wind in so many different ways. You can make so many different branching paths, different decisions, uh, that will still take you towards that that it's, goal.
1: It's 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 a blessing for us for time for three. We used to think it was a curse to when people are trying to define what time for three is, is what is time for three? And we try to define it in like our little elevator pitch. The best thing I think is to, you have to experience it, right? Maybe it's not the best business model (laughs) at first, but it became that way. I mean, there's so many variants to time for three, but there's one core thing is that we're dedicated musicians that want to be curious and we want to just soak up all the information, you know, all, all different kinds of music. So there's no goal, there's no reaching. You know, we've got this monumental record that we just put out, but that's not enough, you know? That's not, that's not the pinnacle. Um, you just keep reaching for the stars and um, that should keep every musician going, anybody. We,
2: you know, as Charles was saying, we went down to Nashville a lot to, to try, because this boy, first of all, he's an incredible violinist and artist yeah. and musician, no, no. but Charles, you, yeah. guys, you guys, his voice, is like cream on cream, like just, See. Wow. you know, just my heart. This is, I actually have his picture next to me. No, wow.
3: So anyway, yeah.
2: so when he joined the band, Renan, all three of us, we were like, this is an incredible tool. So how do we properly use that? And we also, I think we're smart enough to know that we can't just have a, you know, shoot from the hip, like, okay, Charles is the lead. And then we sort of like, Everything else is, it's, we, that wouldn't be sincere to. We had to find it. Yeah. We had to find it. And so we went down to Nashville and we did this songwriting stuff and we actually put out, you know, in the tradition of time for three of like covering our own instrumentals of pop songs, we actually want to write pop songs and put them out. And then when we play live, we play the covers of those pop songs, but it's kind of incredible how we spent a couple of years doing that, but then our playing, we were just playing whole notes. Most of the time, Renan was basically just doing, you know, the bass lines. We felt like when we were playing these songs, we come off stage and we didn't have that exhaustion. We didn't have that, yeah. like we laid something out, but we didn't want to throw it away. We had these amazing songs. So then we really had to think about, we're, we're not hitting that mark, that North Star of, of feeling something. And then we realized it's the instrumental, just the way we're able to do that. That is probably our core, but the X factor for us in the market is the fact that we sing, but it's not the reverse of that. And that's where this album really sort of came at the right time when we were discovering that we are an instrumental band, but we do write songs and we lead with that and we lead with this album that that incorporates some of that innovation. Cause you know, the both concertos have us singing. If you don't know what we're talking about, check it out, but then what we've been doing as encores when we play with the orchestra is we'll do one of our pop songs or we'll play a set in the lobby and then do the other stuff. So it's like, it's, connected. it's, yeah. it's really connecting and just speaking to the business mentality that we go through.
3: Nick, you like alley-ooped me so hard. Are you coping? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you alley-ooped me into my oh, next question. Yeah, no, straight Thank up. No, because I was going to ask you guys. Um, after reviewing the album and just like doing the research on you guys like do you have any tips for like string players who want to get better at singing? I'm just asking for a friend, honestly <laughs> because there is something so visceral about the human voice Boom. and it, your human voice that you have is you're the only one with it. You get farther away from being a commodity as a instrumental group. You get more into the monopoly territory where you're wow. unreplicatable. So, yeah. do you have any like tips for like string players who are, like, you know, trying to get into singing? But you know, what what did you guys do? Or but you, you just said monopoly. Single? We're not going to give away yeah. our secret, bro.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just, I, I don't know what kind of ollie you're talking about. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay.
3: Dude, I'm trying to break the backboard, man. I'm trying to shatter it. Shatter like, it. Wow, it. Yeah, hotel, on park, park hotel <laughs> on park place hotel on park place here's the deal. one thing that I've found is you can lead the horse to water but you can't make it drink you can show them the path you can't make it walk the path. so by highlighting the path that you guys are walking it can give people ideas But they still at the end of the day have to have discipline yep. to execute and most yeah. people don't so I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade
0: you know I, I'm going to just dive in before you say something because like you know, you've you've been singing and playing and, and it's so effortless. But I, I just, you know, I think about that ten year old self yeah. and what you know I would tell that kid mm. if he would listen. And
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's hopped up on Jolly Ranchers yeah. and grand. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and I, you know, if he's willing to listen, I'd say, you know, everything you do, do it well, do it creatively, search. Um, and don't be surprised if it comes back around. And you know, I, I sang up until Mother Nature stripped me of my voice.
3: <laughs> I feel she's feel such that. a bitch,
0: Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> and I had to find another avatar, you know, to 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 express myself. Which for me, you know, was the double bass. You play uh, double bass, uh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah? It's group why, call what, time for three. Why, it's obvious. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, we keep keep it, yeah, and so I, you know, I. Um, <laughs> the only time the singing broke back out was when I was in the practice room and I wanted to like really live in a phrase, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so I was just like, oh, I'm not playing this right. You know, how would I sing it? You know, right. And then I sing the four measure, the eight measure phrase, whatever. And then you know, all of a sudden, like I'm more connected to it when I go back to playing it on my instrument. So you know, there's some musicians that don't even want to do that. You know, like they just, they're like, no, I'm not singing, you know, definitely not in public, you know, that's no way. Um, But then there's, you know, then there's like another layer of musicians that like are at least willing to bravely, you know, share their vocals to themselves um, so they can find it. Or maybe even at like what they call like a workshop or a class in front of instruments, you know. Uh, like themselves, you know, the, the the person who's running the class will say, would you mind singing this phrase? And you have you have the different personality types, right? You have the one person who's just like, no, no, please don't make me do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather not. And then you have the other one is like, all right, sure. And they bust it out. It's a little out of tune, whatever. But, you know, they can kind of find it on their instrument. And then all of a sudden, sometimes you find that person that just, like, blows your mind. Like, actually, maybe you should switch to singing. You know, that's how good you are. Um, and I, so it's just, I think it's like there's the, some of it that just takes courage, um, and the mm. willingness to try it, and, try then, it. Yep. I, and, you know, so when I came full circle back playing, you know, bass <clears throat> and singing with time for three, when Charles joined the group and we wanted to sing together because we knew that he had this beautiful voice and Nick and I wanted to, you know, try to, you know, add to that. Um, it was, it was like a very fumbling experience yeah. initially, you know, like playing and singing was just like cumbersome. It didn't work out. It, you know, we had to like slow things way down. We had to, you know, sometimes change some of the, the voicings and the instrument compared to, you know, it's a real, real, real quest, you know, and like the first song that we put together in those harmonies were, were were tricky, you know, it, it was, it was hard stuff, but then, you know, the more we did it just like anything, you know, by the time we got to like our fourth song, it's like, wow, you know, this is working out. Like we could do this almost on the spot now. And now, you know, th- our three voices now have six voices, you know, within the band. And it really kind of widened the scope. Um, just, you know, take away like, you know, whatever, pop songs or singer-songwriter or rock or, you know, all that stuff that is kind of like really accessible. We were twice as big all of a sudden. Yeah, you doubled you know? our size. We doubled our size textually. Uh, and um, also, I just want to say like on a, on, a cerebral, on a cerebral level, singing and playing the instrument opens up a whole other paradise <clears throat> you know as a musician uh, it's another world you know like it's almost like okay you play classical and then you like explore jazz and then maybe like some latin <clears throat> whatever and it's like oh man it's so fun to just kind of try something a little new and that helps your whatever your so-called discipline is well it's the same thing when you're when you're when you go to the singing and like adding the singing into your dna like now all of a sudden it just it it, it again, it's connecting in a different way with yourself. Um, and so there's this like, you know, there's really this spiritual existence, like from, from my perspective, when you're adding the vocals into your your playing. So I think just like anything, um, for those who want to start to sing, don't let that, um, you know, hang you up if you go to it and you're not a like, you know, a so-called uh, a great singer with you know, right away. Like it it, just like anything else that you could. build. It takes
2: it it takes Paige, I remember when we were when we were doing that, I realized that in my head I have such a standard for how I want to feel when I play my instrument or play music because I'm you know, I've trained through this really difficult like, you know, classical music (laughs) is not you can't you know, to play Mozart in a convincing way you have to study it. Bach, Brahms, all this stuff takes so much work, and so that was the standard that I have for my singing. It's like, you know, I suck, but you can't do that. And I had to start super, super simple, like just playing open D string and then singing a third above that.
3: Gregorian chant. Or wow, that's Gregorian a chant. chant.
2: Or no, or no, the
3: no, thirds though. No, no, thirds. no, no, no. Get no, no, out of no, no, here. Like
2: that. Yeah. No, no. Fifths, baby. Come no, on, I'm, I'm walking off. I'm walking off. Heathen. <laughs> so like, if, if they're, if there are like string quartets out there or, or instrumental groups, one thing you can start doing is, is actually just sing. You can improvise on a scale or you can actually take Bach chorales and don't do the words, just sing oohs and just experience what it feels like when you're using a different expression of music making.
1: It's an expression. That's, that's the exact word. It's the, just an express. That's the most natural form of expression before any instruments, right? All these instruments that we play, it's just so that we can get more voicings in. I mean, this was the original, this was it. So uh, I, I mean, none of us trained, you know, singing. I never thought about singing. Like Nick was saying, I think a lot of people think that, well, I've trained so hard on this, but I, I, I never trained this. So, they shouldn't go together. Mm. I don't think that's the thing. I think um, for me, it's always been, if I can sing it, then I can play it. If I can play it and I can't sing it, then I'm not getting it right. The phrasing is not natural. It doesn't feel right to me. Can you sing the Tarantella? <laughs> 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 no, that's so nerdy, no, That's real nerdy. But hey!
3: Yeah, okay. but it-
1: just, um, it's getting over that fear, not thinking too hard about it, you know? And, and like these exercises, really an, an amazing exercise to do is to really get to know your instrument and your voice, right? Play a scale in unison. Sing and play that scale in complete unison. Then improvise things on your instrument and see if you can sing the same exact thing, you know, kind of Simon says, or together. Mm. You know, these kind of exercises will just... First of all, you have to know your instrument way better. And also your voice, you can, you, you know, you'll know exactly where to go.
2: And it's time. not, and you'll find that the goal should be not comparing yourself to another singer or like a product of another band, like, you know, what we do. Mm-hmm. It's literally about what feelings or what colors and what other directions can you discover through this other element that then allows you to find a sincere way of connecting with the music and then maybe audiences on your own terms. But, but literally it's like so many times in classical music with, again, all the training, the hardest thing for people musicians to do is to leap off the cliff because they feel like, you know, they'd rather like stay on the cliff's edge. But as soon as you stretch, it's still music making. It's just another way of expressing. Yeah. You'll then find new pockets of vibe and feeling by forcing yourself to, you know, not just to express yourself with something that we've been playing millions and millions of hours on repeat. That we know it's it it opens up so many new avenues.
0: How cool would that be if that was like one thing we could change about the world as a whole? You know, I'd like to not compare ourselves to others. You know, only be inspired. You know, you guys, you check out others. this band. Yeah, yeah,
3: just guys. You're just you and the jokes today. I do. <laughs> now you guys you guys know the podcast you're on right now. And yeah. I, I yeah. really I really exactly. want to just quickly highlight before I seat the floor back to Trevor. Like, you guys are Curtis and Julia trained classical musicians. And your ideas about musical expression are so open and so unique to our culture you know what I mean, to the classical music culture. But when you leave the bubble, you find that this is what music really is.
1: It's normal. It's normal. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, oh, that's so
3: fascinating. Singing, right? And playing. (laughs) (laughs) Taking chances, taking risks. Taking chances, what is that? You know, but it's so needed. Like, we need you guys. So thank you for, like, spreading this message because it's so important.
1: Well, thank you, thank you, man, thank you, Drew. It's it's super, super
4: valuable just to like see these examples, and we're starting to see slowly more and more. You're talking, you get Silk Roads, and then you get all these other yeah. like groups, and you guys coming in here and kind of just taking the charge. I'm sure way back when it's getting started, and you're like, hey, we had a great time playing together, and you're, let's form a group. But there's no standard rep for your ensemble, you know, and they're yeah. like, no, 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 you just got to go get and you know just don't do that like why would you do this but you know you ignored it and like look at where you are like being able to talk about this being able to spread the joy um it's just just a fascinating subject to like think about how to push past that fear which i googled earlier so i now i now know
1: <laughs> i now you, know, what, you know what it is now
4: i now know what it is so i can i can under i can understand but, but uh, it's so true i think another thing that was weird too to me because like you were all saying is that, you know, you get so good at one thing and you see other great people at that other thing you want to do, like singing, like, I could never do that. But I think another thing that's even trickier is, for me, it's, it's also knowing how long it takes to get good at one thing. So you're like, ah, but I'd never be that equally Mm. as good in singing. So you just don't even start, which is obviously the wrong takeaway, because then you never work at anything. And we, one of our recent guests, uh, David Kim, Philadelphia Orchestra, yeah. um, amazing. We got to talk to him about what it's like to like suck at golf, and it was like, <laughs> and it was a valuable, it was a valuable conversation. You know, like we're giving him, a, and, and he, that's we why like, he golf so much. That's why he golf yeah, all yeah. the time. Because he was like, yeah, I'm like, he's like, I was, am terrible. You know,
3: <laughs> and, and, <laughs> but but
4: to like overcome that fear. It's just like, wait, I don't have to be the best golf. It's okay to just enjoy it, to explore and to grow. Yeah. And with the singing, the, the thing that uh, leads us towards like my next question is it's obvious that when someone sings, and why I love string players who sings, written for players to sing, uh, like violence to sing at the same time, just because there's something so personal about that. And then that is also what brings in the audience. They see you enjoying it. And I don't know about you. When yeah. I'm watching a show, obviously, I'm like loving the music. I'm loving the experience, of the audience. But what really sells it and what takes me back to that performance all those years ago is like seeing the band in having a good time. Mm. That's, that's everything. What would you put in the letters or the emails to your future? Like, (sighs) what are some things that you're resonating with now that you'd want to like tell yourself in 10 years, you want a reminder or where you hope to see yourself in 10 years? What is that like?
1: as a band or individually as both wow 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 well that's a sick
3: moment stick i'll say
0: you know as a band as a band i would like to give our our band advice for the next 10 years to not not get too caught up in one idea being superior you know the the openness of 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 like you know uh, of of movement not spinning wheels i don't mean hamster wheels that's not what i'm saying but like just just you know there's so we're we're so fortunate at this point in our careers where where we were we're surrounded by like so many people that we trust that are doing that they're doing they're working so hard because they believe in it you know and they they have the tools to 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 help the team overall you know so we're surrounded we're really affectionately surrounded by people that are passionate about moving the time for three needle by and large so knowing that it's like there really aren't bad ideas There just maybe some ideas that are better than the others you know uh so so it's you know that's that's the thing i would tell the band and then you know for myself uh, you know i think i think one of one of the biggest things is i i at this point in my life i know who i am and um, as I, as I, you know, go through the next you know, 10 years, maybe 25 years, even, I want to look for those, those feelings that are deep. Um, and I don't mean on an intellectual Level. I'm talking about the feeling that you get; these feelings that you get from doing the things that you love and really embracing that. You know, as if the the speaking of the business, as if the dollar doesn't matter, because making a decision based on the dollar sure. really never amounted to to anything that I've ever had as far as in the way of success. Quite frankly, if I've ever looked at things from the business spectrum, um, for me personally, it hasn't posed many results. You know, so so that that sense of creativity. Um, when I'm in the practice room and I'm being as creative as I possibly can, the ideas seem to flow, not just on a musical level, you know? And so it's like that, that's a greater purpose, um, uh, that, that, that I just want to constantly remind myself to think about.
1: Yeah. I, I think, uh, very much like what Renan said, but I, I think for, for me, for the band, the same kind of thing is, um, you know, 10 years looking back, um, twenty years looking back, like were we authentic? Did we really love it? And are we still proud of it? You know, um, I think that's a really important thing. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, like Nick was saying in the moment, something can be very exciting um and maybe lucrative. But if you look back at it years later, are you still happy about it? Are you still proud of it? You know, and did you learn anything from it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that's uh, the letters to my future is that I I'm much wiser later <laughs> but uh, also <laughs> not embarrassed of my younger self.
3: You know? Ooh, wow, that's huge. I'm so embarrassed of yeah. my younger self. <laughs> You're no, Who is dude? it? Who
1: is it, man? We're yeah. all kind of That's yeah. true. Who is isn't? Who is it?
3: Nick, you got you got Well, I
1: else.
2: I mean I, I I'm, I'm similar obviously. I just want to I hope 10 years I'm still excited to work really hard to then accomplish that feeling that goal of being sincere on stage with these two guys and anything that i do as a musician balanced with the very realistic reality of my life which is that i need to provide for my family and that i need to be responsible as as a healthy human being which means time away and mm. being being able to, um, to have that balance of, of life. And, Personal. you know, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah my business, but then my professional life, which again, we're very lucky, and we do not take it for granted, I don't take it for granted, we do not take it for granted, that the thing that makes our money is the thing that we are so passionate about. But as soon as I start walking off that stage, And not feeling like i left something on there because of whatever reason that's when i start worrying so i hope that in 10 years that formula and i've talked a lot about formulas but i hope that formula
3: stays in existence i love that y'all that was so beautiful and i hope that you faking fan listening are thinking actively about something similar what do you want to take in the next 10 years like what like to look like and what are some things maybe you want to leave behind or what are some things you want to keep Yeah, saying. I think it's time for our, uh, for the end of the show. We have this uh, this little lightning round called the Faking Five where we ask five questions to each of our guests. Um, I would love it if you guys could each give your own response uh, to each of these questions and Trevor and I will, will, will go back and forth on this, but uh, we'll start with number one. Uh, what's a problem in the world that needs to be fixed but no one is talking about?
0: Got to keep the listening valve on. We have to listen <laughs> to each other. No, no matter, no matter how hard it is, and how, and how, and how much we hate the other side, we have to listen.
3: Wow, dude, I'm that goes space. with everybody. Yeah, every, every subject, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's like. That takes care of that whole question. I got to listen to flat earthers, man. Maybe they're on to something. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that. Ice Just give wall, them a bro. chance, man. Just give them a chance. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Question number two If
4: the concept of money didn't exist, how would you spend your time?
1: Oh, that already is happening to me. <laughs> I forget that, <laughs> I, forget that I, I need money to survive. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good God.
2: I go to the south of France and just hang out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think Mm. music, man. Seriously, music is – we're so lucky to be able to do music, and we can do it for free at home, you know? We can listen to ourselves. We can write music. It's always there, um, even if you don't got money.
3: Amen. Mm. Okay, so let's hit the third one. What's uh, What's the best advice you received and actually followed? Hard work pays off.
1: You follow that, dude?
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, I do. Were kind of silent. They're like, Yes,
1: I know. do. <laughs> we all follow that. How about you guys? No, you that's guys good. Some... I think it, it's pretty good. I mean,
0: you know, it's like the most cliche thing in the world. You can do anything you set your mind to. Well, mm, that's beautiful.
1: I think uh, going, going back to uh, what we talked about before, like, looking back at your younger self. I think when I was younger and I thought I was cool um, and these professors would be like, what are you doing? Like, who are you? Like, what what are you trying to do? Like, it was embarrassing, but I thought it was so cool at the time. But I, I remember a professor being like, about honesty. It's like, honestly, what do you want? You know, what, what do you want? Asking me, what do you want to do, you know? And um, do you really know your shit? And I think that really that really triggered something, and it made me want to um, learn about things. You know, learn about everything that I do, that I want to do. You know, um, get better at something, work at that. Going back to working hard at something, mm-hmm. uh, and I thank that person for that. You know, um, that person's me. It's, it's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: He's working That's hard, me. and it paid off. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: we're not making any money.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. So what's your biggest failure and how did you stage your comeback?
0: Well, if if there's a comeback, it wasn't a failure. But Oh, that's that's I like
2: that. I like that. I I think just
1: like period. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) it. That's (laughs) it. It's a comeback. (laughs) No.
0: I'll, I'll just say that, that uh, I remember when I, I, I was at Manhattan School of Music and I really wanted to go to Curtis Institute of Music. And I convinced my parents to let me take off the semester and, uh, and, and practice like around the clock. And I was practicing to get into Curtis. I was practicing to get on the Philadelphia Orchestra sublist and to get into three major festivals. Uh, at the time, that was um, Tanglewood, uh, NRO, and NOI. And, uh, and I practiced, I practiced nonstop. I mean, like, I just was like, it was like Rocky, you know, just cramming all the yeah. time. Doing Swallowed pushups. Eggs. Yeah. Like d- doing pushups if I couldn't play in tune, which I don't recommend, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let get that finger right
1: there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and anyhow, after like, you know, the whole semester and auditioning, the results came in and I, I, I got, um, alternate to, uh, one of the festivals. Um and I got um, alternate to Curtis and I got on the C list for the Philadelphia Extra Sub list, which was like practically the no list at the time. Uh, and I, I was crushed. I was just down for the count for for two weeks, just wondered if I should, you know, if I should make music, if I if that's really what I should be doing, and. Um, and, and slowly but surely, my family and my friends pulled me out of it and told me that I was acting ridiculous. And I was dramatizing the whole thing. Uh, you know, I started to get it back on the horse and practicing and lived to fight another day. And uh, a couple of weeks went by and I, I got bumped into NOI, which was what the festival
3: that I got going.
0: And then when I was at NOI, um, I had a week with Hal uh, there, who's my mentor at Curtis, and uh, a young lady won a position in the Seattle Symphony which nudged me into Curtis uh, and, uh, and, 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 you know, it was just, it was just a pivot um, and a turnaround. So. And that you know,
1: comeback uh, created time for three. If he wouldn't have gone to Curtis, totally,
0: I don't think there
1: would be a time for three, you know, wouldn't.
0: That's hang in, hang in you there wouldn't you just
1: stayed in the game.
3: There you go. You stayed in the game. Stayed, stayed in the, the game. Don't check out.
2: I think it's ridiculous that I, as when I got my license, when I was six, well, I got my license at 15 and a half, but I had to drive with the parent. But it's stupid that I needed to get my thrill by going 90 miles an hour late <laughs> at night in my Volkswagen, my parents Volkswagen van just to, I mean, that was so stupid. Like so <laughs> stupid. I didn't need to do that. I should have been sleeping and studying harder.
1: <laughs> so that's your greatest failure is going ninety. At yeah.
2: late at yeah. night, taking my like I'd steal my not steal, i well I wasn't supposed to be driving at late at night. Yeah. I thought I'd I thought I'd like trick my dad because I would return the vehicle like I'd go at midnight and I'd return like at three or four in the morning and I'd fill the gas up with my allowance money or whatever. Yeah. And I was gigging so I had to actually some money from wedding stuff. Fill the gas up right like right where he left it off and then one one morning underneath <laughs> my door i found you didn't check the odometer from <laughs> um, your dad this is- yeah my dad knew exactly what the hell it's it such a dad doing. move to slide
4: a note beneath the door oh yeah i'll see you i'll see you tonight <laughs> so over passive. dinner
1: so yeah, yes. yeah. It's a dad move
3: that, that's that's terror yeah that's that's more personified <laughs> Uh, Charles, you got, you got, you got a little something. something There's share.
1: too many failures in my life okay. <laughs> um, and, and a comeback, but I'm, i like Nick, you know, I, I, I enjoy the thrill of, I got in a bad car accident mm-hmm. some years ago that like almost killed me. And um, I remember uh, my lawyer was like, Oh yeah, go see a therapist because it helps with the settlement, you know, whatever the bill was. And I, mm-hmm. and I like <laughs> unwittingly wanted, uh, went, I, I went with my electric skateboard, and he told me how long you've been riding that electric skateboard. I was like, oh, in the last you know year or so. And um, it's like, oh, what else have you done within your car accident and, and now? And it's like, oh, I went skydiving and like I go do all these uh, extreme activities. And and he later told me that um, yeah, it sounds like you weirdly like missed the thrill of almost dying, like that risk of. Um, edging it a little bit you know um and it's true that was uh that was a real low time in my life and uh and then I kind of search for that and i think i do the same with um just personal and and uh and uh musical experiences now so i think i'm i'm working at that i'm working on how to be more safe and and, and also not to not to edge too much.
3: Boosted boards are yeah. really fun, though, man. Like, oh, they're so fun! <laughs> fucking, well, so you know what i am talking Drew, about, bro? True. The New York no. streets, man. You hit a pothole, you do a tuck and roll a couple times, get back up. Sarah McLaughlin uh, starts uh,
4: playing.
1: Just, yeah,
4: yeah. Slow in, in slow motion. Mo. You're in slow mo like.
1: But I did do that, so be careful. I, I did do that. I hit a pothole late at night um, on my on my electric skateboard, and I tore both my rotator cuffs. And it and it it still clicks to this day and feels weird when I play. So uh, you know it should you it should always uh be careful. I probably shouldn't be doing this and telling my bandmates this at the same time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But we knew we checked the odometer. Yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah. They're my dad's
0: (laughs) We slid a note underneath the door
3: (laughs) We saw you at night Our final question, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. This has been it's one been great, of my dude. favorite interviews. Like, wow. you know, you got three for the price of one. And we're so thankful. <laughs> Um, if you could go back in time and actually Renan, you actually already did this, but if you go back in time and tell your 10 year old self something, what would
2: study harder, go to, go to counterpoint, learn, learn history, just study harder. That's what I mm. I'd say. But but like Renan said, there's it's a balance because a lot of who I am today was because of what I was who I was, you know? So it's like, it's really hard to say. I don't know if it's a, what is it you said? You can't have a comeback if it's a failure? It's not a failure if you have a comeback. Yeah, it's not a failure if you yeah. have a comeback. I, I think that's that's
3: that's, that's amazing. That's, that's a true that's statement. That's a bar. We should put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you should put it on a so t-shirt. True. Time for three. Yeah. Business.
0: <laughs> we have the product. We just have bro, to market. Merch. Let's go market, on,
3: guys. Let's do it, it bro.
1: Um, Charles, when you got something? I think I just tell my ten year old self, like, you're not that cool. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like you Get think that you're cool. out of here! Get that yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, yo, you Beat think you're down. that cool? You're not very cool. <laughs> no. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I, I disagree. I think Charles, you are one of the coolest people. You've inspired so much of my path. Renan, I actually heard you on Andrew Hitt's podcast oh, many wow. years ago. I was on tour with Sphinx Virtuosi at the time. Awesome. And you talked about the power of delegation. It's been wow. swirling in my head for the past six years. I have not acted on it. But I do understand the power of delegation in small doses, and it's something that I want to use to take my life to the next level. So I want to thank you wow. for that. And Nick... Wow. This is my first time, I believe, meeting you. And it is an absolute joy. It has for me too, my man. I appreciate yeah. you guys.
0: Well, you know, also, guys, I mean, I know you're the host, but we, we admire what you guys are doing yeah. and who you are as individuals so much. Thank uh, you for keeping it. us relevant, guys. Thank you yeah. for
1: keeping our industry relevant and killing it at doing that. And
2: allowing and allowing for us to unpack what it is that we do, with your with what you guys and your followers. I mean, it, it's it is an opportunity for us too. So thank you. God, thanks again
4: for coming through. It's been absolute joy. I can see why you've like made such an impact already in the industry and why you're still going strong. Um, oh, so thank you again. Till next time, uh, listeners, you can check this episode out on VHS. We'll, uh, we'll get that out to you guys. So like, here we go. good send that Look out that
1: up right next to fear and anxiety <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: <laughs> till next time time for three.